welcome back to Mugful of Mimosas, the podcast where no one has time for proper stemware. So we grab and fill the nearest cup and we make sure we come ready to spill the tea, but not our drinks. Because like we say in this house, not in this economy, darling, we don't have money to waste. Today we're talking about overwhelm and what I do to quiet the anxious voice in my head because she's annoying and needs to shut it sometimes. So we're going to get right into it. In a former life, I was a senior operational leader for one of the largest charter school management organizations in the U.S., specifically in New York City, which has the most public school students of any other state. In plain language, I was the fixer for charter schools. And while you might think fixer and think Olivia Pope, thank you, by the way, for the comparison, there were no uh, sex scandals or war plots that I was solving for like Miss Carrie. I was solving for things like figuring out how to source, label, inventory, and distribute over 5,000 laptops in the height of the pandemic with skeleton staffing. Or I was solving for issues like ensuring we have safe staffing ratios when half your people are out sick and every single child is in attendance. Or my favorite one is solving for issues like someone calling in a bomb threat while I'm in the middle of dismissing 450 kids while simultaneously preparing 50-plus staff members to welcome family for report card conferences, all while our partner school decided to put on a surprise band performance. And if you don't believe me, I have photo evidence. All that to say, my job was pretty overwhelming on a daily basis. While most folks would hear what I just said and give the whole situation a firm, no ma'am, I just decided long ago that I was going to grow in this specific field, so I knew I had to figure out how to deal with the BS that comes with it. And while you might think that those big ticket times are the ones where I really blew a gasket, I always caught myself slipping more in the unexpected moments of overwhelm. It was those unplanned for moments that almost did me in. While I planned almost every single tough HR combo down to the letter, I was almost never prepared for how to respond to the snide remark by a staff member who didn't think I heard it. I heard you. I heard you, girl. Yeah, I heard you. Or the parent who's giving me the same excuse about lateness for the millionth time. While it was rare when I lost my cool, it was usually in those smaller and spontaneous moments. So what did I do to start to calm this old brain of mine when it was feeling overwhelmed at work? Well, there were some tangible moves I put into place to try to get ahead of that feeling. The first one is weekly planning. If my former manager is hearing this right now, he's probably screaming at the phone since he was always on my ass when it came to my weekly planning, which is crucial to productivity. When I was at my lowest, I wasn't planning anything and taking things as they came at me, which is the best recipe for overwhelmed pie and a side of stress soup. Believe me when I say And even carving out a small chunk of time, like 15 to 20 minutes, to plan out a snapshot of the week made and still and still makes all the difference every time. So what does good weekly planning at work look like? Well, I would break it out into a few chunks. Meetings and events, big rocks and tasks and to-dos. For meetings, I'm looking ahead and taking note of all the one-on-ones I have with my direct reports, my manager, and any other groups or departments. In this category, I'm also including meetings with my self-care providers that I can meet with remotely, like my telehealth therapist, so it's blocked off on my calendar. For appointments, consider any time you need to block out so that you can fully focus on the other person or task, or 
have the other person fully focus on you. Some items I include here are any maintenance appointments like physical therapy, but also nails and waxing because for me, those are not luxuries. I need to do those things to live the life I want to lead happily. My disclaimer here is that for a long time, I didn't schedule any of these appointments during work time. Like I was religious about booking things for evenings, weekends, holidays, at the expense of myself, my sanity, and my leisure time. My advice to my younger self would be, book the appointment, sis. I promise you, they'll figure it out. The tangential moral of stories also to use your PTO, folks. Anyway, back to the topic. The next category in my weekly planning was events. In this section, I would jot down any event that made my day a day out of the ordinary. Now, this could be something like a staff member's birthday, or it could be something like a concert I have tickets for, or a friend is visiting from out of town. Anything that causes me to deviate from my normal routine or schedule gets highlighted in that event section. And to further explain one specific aspect of my rationale when it comes to events, I categorize birthdays there because, one, I want that item to stand out in my planning doc so I remember on the day of, and two, because someone having a birthday changes my actions. I need to change my routine to ensure that I can plan for it. Maybe there's a cake I need to buy or a card that I need to plan to get 47 signatures on or some tone-deaf singing that I need to orchestrate. Somehow, my routine changes, even down to my routine on the day of the birthday. I want to plan to ensure that I run into this person at some point on that day to say happy birthday or if it's a loved one's birthday, maybe I'm planning to leave work early so I don't plan any PM meetings on that afternoon so that I can sneak out. Anything that changes the shape of a normal day gets tossed in that bucket. The next is big rocks. So this phrase was a phrase taught to me by my former job and the story behind it is imagine you have a big bucket and you have big rocks pebbles, and sand that you need to transport. If you add all the sand first, you're going to have a hard time adding the pebbles and the big rocks will be impossible. But if you worked backwards and added your big rocks to your bucket first, then your pebbles, then your sand, you can fit it all in seamlessly. Those major or long-term projects are your big rocks and the steps you need to take to complete that rock are considered pebbles. The sand is your tasks or to-dos, which we'll touch on in a second. If you start your weekly planning by identifying those big rocks, breaking them down into manageable and actionable pebbles, and then placing them throughout your week strategically, you'll be able to get the best picture of your week in a realistic way and understand if you need to pivot or change anything. The last piece of this puzzle is the tasks and to-dos, also known as the sand in your cup. When thinking of this category, I drop in any little tasks that have come up throughout the day or week, any small tasks that comes to me in person or via a text call immediately gets dumped there so I can ensure that it gets done. And in this house, if it ain't written, it ain't happening. Another disclaimer here is this generally comes easy to me by telling the person who wants something from me to send me an email. That way, if they forget, The onus is on them since they want something from me. And if they remember, they make it easy for me to drop that task right into my weekly plan from their email. This leads me to my next point. When my brain is in major overwhelm, I utilize a technique called brain dumping. Now, this looks different depending on the type of overwhelm varietal the sommelier in my brain chooses, but I'll break down a few ways I approach it. 
When it comes to work brain overwhelm, the brain dump piece is crucial. A brain dump at work allows you to comb through all of your collection boxes where tasks can pile up, like email or sticky notes or your planner or random texts that have come in from your team or etc. This is how you can pull together everything you need to do and discern what might be a big rock versus a pebble like we just talked about. Now, for a long time, I refused to bring this tactic into my personal life. I figured there's there's no way the tasks in my life were that complicated. So it would just be too overwhelming of a system to import to my personal life. But boy, was your girl wrong, 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 wrong. Because the secret behind a brain dump is that you just actually dump the things in your brain onto a paper or a digital notepad. And then your brain isn't constantly nagging you saying things like, hey, hey don't forget to drop off the laundry or, hey, hey, did you remember to order the dog food? Or my personal favorite, hey, listen, did you remember to take your medicine? (laughs) I can tell you, brain dumping has not only calmed my anxious brain, it's also helped me see just how productive I actually am if I'm in a funk. Recently, I was super down on myself because I was feeling like I just wasn't doing enough and I needed to do more. Then I took a look at a recent list of things I did. In one week, I did the following. I created and scheduled and posted at least six pieces of content per day for a number of platforms I'm on. That's more than two. Edited more than an hour worth of recording into a 30-minute podcast that I published yesterday. Scripted this podcast that you're listening to right now, as well as the next one recorded this podcast that you're listening to right now, worked out twice, cooked three times, planned out next week's posts, applied for about 10 jobs, reached out to five recruiters on LinkedIn, and honestly, that's not even everything, but I'll stop before you turn this off from being bored to death. All that to say, I did all that in this past seven days, and I wouldn't have realized it if not for this brain dump. When you're healing, your brain can latch on to the negative, but finding ways to force that positive perspective can be crucial to staving off overwhelm. This doesn't have to be fancy. Just grab your nearest pen and paper or your iPad and Apple Pencil if you were born after the year 2000 and get those thoughts out of your brain and onto a page. Okay, so let's say your week is perfectly planned and you've dumped all the things in your brain onto a paper. That means you're, you're, you're good to go for no overwhelm, right? Like you planned and prepped and so, so you're good, right? Wrong. Overwhelm still happens to the most prepped of us. So what do you do when your perfectly laid plans go to shit? The first technique I use is grounding. Now, I'd never heard of this until my amazing friend Julia coached me through a literal breakdown on a street corner. Like, I was uncontrollably solving, y'all. And thank God I had the sense to call a friend who is also a mental health professional, which I'm so lucky to have so many amazing mental health professionals in my life as close friends. But she coached me through that moment and asked me to put myself in the moment I was in. She asked me to name things I can see, things I can touch, things I can smell, what color things were. It was so simple yet so effective that it really stayed with me. And it's something that I still use to this day to stop my brain from spiraling questions. 
If you want an easy way to incorporate grounding into your everyday life, I recommend getting a sticker from Hilarious Humanitarian. I'll I'll link it in the description of this episode. She sells the most amazing shit, y'all. Like a feelings wheel sticker that I love that I have on my um my big hydro flask cup. But her grounding technique sticker could be really helpful for someone who needs that visual to remember to do the grounding in the moment of overwhelm. The next technique I use uh, to get ahead of any triggers whenever possible is just simple planning. I know being late really gives me anxiety. So before calling it a night, I'll make sure my outfit is laid out and I try it on, okay? Because I've been burned too many freaking times the morning of with an outfit that I think is bomb and then I try it on and it's whack as hell. So there you go. Some examples of some other things I'll also do to save myself time are as I'll schedule my Uber or I'll refill my transit car the night before. Um, or I'll fill up my water bottle and I'll put it in the fridge so it's ready to grab, or, um, I'll make sure I have a lunch plan so I can ensure that I'm taking care of myself by eating and taking a break before I jump into the madness of the day. Just make sure that that's like baked in before I even get started. That way I give myself more of a buffer and flexibility because if life is going to do anything, honey, it's going to happen whether you like it or not. And lastly, when all else fails, I've just been trying something super radical, (laughs) y'all. I've been yelling from my belly. Like, I mean, when I'm fully overwhelmed, I just yell all the air out of my lungs until they feel empty. And it's like a deep guttural grunt, like not a scream since since it's coming from my diaphragm, you know? But it's still loud, so (laughs) be warned because I've scared the, the shit out of myself and my dog multiple times while while doing this but it's just it's something I don't know how to explain it something about that primal release that really does get the anxiousness and tension out of my body even if it's just for a few seconds and maybe it's psychosomatic but I always feel better like like a literal actual weight has been lifted off of my head or my chest And that's all I got, peeps. I hope this episode was helpful for you. And if it was, please share it with a friend. It's so, so helpful for me. As always, if you can, please leave me a five-star review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen. And follow me on Instagram or TikTok at LizLaughLoveNYC. Wishing you the chillest of weeks. Happy Taurus season. And see you here next week for Mugful of Mimosas with Liz. Bye. Thank you.